Hey, 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 welcome to Unplug with Annie. It's me, Annie, and I want to ask you a really important question. What is stopping you from achieving your dreams? Unplug with Annie is all about hope and perseverance, how we can together work against everything that is holding us back from achieving our dreams, even if that thing includes us. I hope that you enjoy all the conversations. Don't forget to follow Unplug with Annie on IG and Facebook, and you can stay updated with everything Unplug on the website www.unplugwithannie.com. I love to say we need to leave everything on the dance floor that is life. I am rooting for you. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Unplug with Annie. Today I have got not only one single talent on the show, but it's double trouble. I have Natalie and Hamza who are absolutely fantastic. They are actors, writers, directors, producers, all in one. They're a couple, which truly makes them like a double threat, but they're doing wonderful, wonderful things. And I'm meeting them virtually for the first time as I record this and I'm just so thrilled that we were able to do this. To give you a little bit of an insight about them, Natalie is an actor and writer. She trained in classical acting at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. She's written four short films, two of which have been award-winning and also selected for BAFTA qualifying festivals. She's written a feature. She's currently writing a sitcom And she's done some wonderful, wonderful work as an actor as well. And we're just going to be talking to her about her journey individually. And of course, both of them together and how life has been together. But her aim is definitely to to bring more South Asian female characters to the screen, something really seen on British TV. Hamza, also an actor-writer and a filmmaker. He trained in screen acting at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. He has played leading roles and supporting roles in TV shows, including Luther and Doctor Who. He was also nominated for a Best Actor Award for his leading role in BBC iPlayer rom-com My Jihad. And as a filmmaker and now getting into producing a lot more, he is really and has been really focused on developing projects and short films and again characters which challenge traditional Asian stereotypes I guess and and that's what we're going to be talking a lot about uh, a conversation definitely touching upon representation and what it is like being a professional South Asian actor in the British TV and film industry currently so stay tuned Hey guys, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad that I finally get to talk to you. Um, I've been really excited to have this conversation with you. Thanks yeah, for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, yeah, no, me, me too. So I, I mean, I really want to just dive in and talk about your because I know so both of you are actors, you you write as well. You I, I know that you're producing your own stuff, which is really exciting. But just going back to like, you know, how you started out, like in terms of the the acting bug, 
when it bit you, what that kind of looked like. I know you both went to drama school, um, but if you could talk a little bit about the journey so far. Do you want to start? You start. No, you start. Okay. You go. You go. <laughs> um, so we're going way, 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 way back. Uh, <coughs> this is sort of the violin story, but I won't make it violin-y. Um, I, I have a stammer. Um, and when... I'm, I'm a covert stammerer, by the way, so it may not be picked up in this. It may, it may not. It may come out. Um, when I was a kid, I had quite a bad stammer when I was in primary school, and then my parents sent me to speech therapy. The NHS used to do it at that time in like a nice little clinic, um, and it was there where I think I first got introduced to improv, and I didn't even know I was, you know, I was. D- d- um, there it is. I, w- I was doing improv, um, so it. it and I think I was about seven, eight. And I was like, oh, I really love this. And I used to look forward to going to speech therapy every single week. Um, it's not my favorite thing to do. And then when I got to secondary school, um, we started doing drama in year seven. And it was like, oh, there's a whole class on this. And it started to snowball. The more confident I got with my speech, the more I was enjoying drama. And, it, you know, the two things kind of were going hand in hand. Um, and it kind of never left. The bug didn't really leave. Um, and it was kind of attached to and the speech impediment to begin with, but then it just became, I love having an audience. Um, and then after I finished GCSE drama, I went on to do performing arts at A-level along with a couple of other A-levels. Then I didn't want, then I didn't know what I wanted to do at university and didn't know much about drama school. There wasn't uh there wasn't anyone really talking about it or I, I didn't know much nor did I really go into researching it myself uh, my teachers told me about drama school sort of but it was never it was something that you had to be older it never felt like you could go there at 18 and the conversation was constantly about university so I didn't know what I wanted to do at uni so I picked a random subject I picked business management and I went to Queen Mary to do that uh, and I chose Queen Mary because they had a theatre company. Like a, it was a large university. I went there to like an open day and I really liked it. And they had a great theatre company and what it looked like. And I thought, oh, great, I could still be acting when I, when I go there. Um, so then I went to Queen Mary University. However, I stayed doing, I was always con- constantly trying to find opportunities and finding workshops and stuff like that. And I did some stuff with, I can't remember if I did stuff with Tara, but I did stuff with Tamasha when I was in university. And I did a workshop and through that I got auditioned um, to, to, to do a play way back in 2008. And it worked out that both the play and my uni were both in East London. So um, I managed to do a couple of weeks on that play and that kind of opened up for me. And I was like, oh, I really want to go and go into, um, I want to go to this further after university. And it was either that or going into the civil service because I did an internship at the civil service where I was really, really bored. Although to be fair, what I was doing in the civil service at the time is highly relevant because we were actually, I'm going off on a tangent. We were actually, I'm taking up all the time. But Both of us have um, ADHD. Yeah. So, so <laughs> undiagnosed, <laughs> but yeah. So <laughs> in this internship, I was working for the Department of Business Enterprise Regulatory Reform. It's like Department of Trade and Industry kind of thing. And we were on this sort of secret mission trying to get to build get the rights to build an energy pipeline that would go through western europe to uh, and then through turkey eastern europe then turkey into the caspian region and basically to extract gas away from russia 
So the, the uh, Europe's reliance on energy, um, gas energy, wasn't so monopolized by Russia. Uh, this was called the Nabucco pipeline, but then it eventually fell through due to many different issues. But I was working on that for a little while when I was doing my internship. And I was like, ah, when obviously when everything's kicked off with Ukraine right now yeah. and our energy prices are soaring, I was like, ah, I see. Well, they were trying. <laughs> the Brits were trying, you know, Germans were trying from way back to you know, not let this happen now. Anyway, <laughs> and then he digresses. I digress. And then after university, I went to drama school instead. I auditioned for a few drama schools. I, I got into Central and I did the one year master's in screen acting. I chose screen acting uh, specifically because um, uh, I, I didn't connect with classical acting that much at that time. Um, and uh, screen specifically because I was absolutely terrified of cameras. Um, I thought it was quite very, very blocked. So I wanted to throw myself into a course that would scare me. Um, and I liked Central. I thought it was a great open, huge space to be in. And unlike some of the other drama schools, it felt quite small and claustrophobic when I was auditioning. And you nearly left. Yeah, I nearly left. I nearly left because of the stammer. So wow. it... Because uh, you were so terrified. Yeah. It, uh, it, uh, my first time at drama school, I could like barely get words out. Because <laughs> it just went... Um, and it's like this thing with the stammer, it becomes a bigger problem when you think about it so much. Yeah. So like any kind of like spiral. And it was a conversation. I was very close to leaving. And I was having conversations with one of the other students. And, you know, he, he was a Bulgarian guy. And he was saying, look, I'm really struggling with my English. I can barely string a, a sentence of English together, but I'm here. And it's like, you're already in a good position because you understand the words. <laughs> so he said something. <laughs> Along those lines it was one of those you know you know blurry Friday nights um and yeah and then I stayed and eventually started to get a bit better get a bit better and I'm glad that I did I didn't leave um not that I have any judgment on people who leave for whatever reason but you know I I'm, I'm happy that I did stay I yeah I and it's led you to do some really that's my cool story. projects that's my story yeah, yeah yeah well yeah all about perseverance love it um that's great and 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 yeah, Natalie, like, did you guys meet at, at Central? No. No, no we, did. we actually, um, so we both went to Central, but Hamza was the year before me. Yeah. And I saw him on the, on the screens above, you know, when it says like, so-and-so from the school is working on this project. Okay. His headshot. They don't have up. those screens anymore, you know? Do they not? Yeah, well, they have yeah. them at the time. So that's where I actually first saw Hamza. And then I saw him in an audition room where I was auditioning to be his... Um, arranged marriage other half I used to be in Sunday school plays um, raised Christian my dad was Buddhist but converted uh, the pastor of a church that she attended in Sri Lanka they had set up a church in England they had a couple of denominations in the in um, in London and she called them and they prayed for her and my and she stopped bleeding and wow. I was born long after and so my parents believed I, I feel like for me, um, coming from a different standpoint, for me, it could be coincidence, but it could be a miracle. But my parents believed this was a was a miracle, and my dad converted and uh, raised Christian. So I started in uh, Sunday school plays where we would play all these. We were it was like a brown church, and we would play all these because Christianity is such a white religion. Yeah. We would play white missionaries going to. Yeah, it's really strange when you think about it now. Yeah. Actually, we play white missionaries. Um, I can't think of the names of any, but they would they they go to like 
colonized countries and convert <laughs> people to Christianity. So we would play. There was this it was cr- like a version was, of the Book of Mormon in a sense, isn't it? Uh, it's really bizarre when you think yeah. about the way I was raised. Actually, when when you think about that, so I had played. I can't remember what his name was. Charlie Charlie something's. He, I'll, I'll, you never told me that before, like about yeah. that. Oh, we, we, we were playing white people in our in our in our. So we were not in whiteface, we were playing white people like who actually existed in the real world and actually went out to to save wow. <laughs> the um beastly, you know, Asian countries from themselves. Yeah. Um so we, I was raised in a in that in in that sort of environment. Um and there was a lot of good there as well. Um and that's where my interest in acting probably began in storytelling. I took it so seriously. Compared to the other kids in Sunday school, they were just like, okay, Natalie's really intense about this. I was the only one who was like, oh, you know, there's brown people here. We must save them from, you know, the jaws of Satan or whatever. Yeah. And as a brown person, it's the most bizarre thing. <laughs> but yeah, that's where I was raised. And then I, at school, I really struggled, as you can imagine, um, back in the 80s, integrating with my friend like making friends and integrating um I was in it grew up in a very white school Mm. and um I just didn't know how to make friends I suppose and um the only time that I got closest to sort of connecting with people was when I was in the school play and I played Mystic Meg who was this character that would turn up on the lottery show um and they cast again this brown girl to play this white lady, and um, and I got loads of laughs. And I remember being like, "Oh, like they can see me," because I'd gone like years and years of not feeling like anyone could really mm-hmm. see me, and they saw me. And I heard those laughs, and I was like, "I can make, I can make people laugh. I can bring joy into people's lives." And I remember the next day the teachers were really pleased with me I wasn't particularly academic and I really struggled to be linear in that way uh, because I think in a different way than the academic system works Um, and yeah and I think that's probably where it began where I stopped I remembered my friends being like oh it was really cool you played Mystic Meg like it was really funny we were like they found it really funny and I I just felt I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes it's actually a bad thing because your worth isn't obviously True. just that. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of bad things have come from the fact that like my entire value relies on the fact that I believe that I've connected with people from telling stories. But mm-hmm. then on the other side, I also managed to get this wonderful gift of, of telling stories, mm-hmm. of connecting mm-hmm. with people, not by being myself, but by being somebody else mm-hmm. and I think a lot of actors will relate to that yeah. um, so that was the the beginning of where it started and then I just went into hiding for a long long time because I didn't know because you know especially in my in the community I was raised in you couldn't be an actor it was just not a from an Asian perspective it wasn't the type of thing my parents wanted me to do they really came to this country and put me in those types of school because they wanted me to be a professional and do the things they couldn't do Mm. Um, which again a lot of Asians would relate to but then there was the added issue of the religious aspect of it that Mm. you know the the 
stereotype of what an actor is mm. and what an actress what how much of an actress she has to give to herself and is this the type of person that somebody would want to marry and is this the type of person who could be a mother which is actually a really interesting question well uh, yeah now yeah and married um, and married but marriage wasn't the thing because I married an actor for me that didn't that wasn't such a difficult thing but we'll get to that mm. yeah. but as a mother being an actor yeah but I, 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 podcast yeah de- I mean definitely want to touch upon that um of course yeah I definitely love to ask you about that and then yeah um, yeah so yeah when into uh, when and um I actually tried to find different routes into the industry I did classics at university because it's the closest thing to storytelling I guess mm-hmm. um and I find the classical Greek and Roman myths like there's nothing quite like yeah, it. You loved that. You love yeah, classics. I loved it. Okay. So my parents were like, "What is that? Is that music? What is it? Like, <laughs> what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you can do anything with that." At the time, of course, like, yeah, you can. Of course, you can. You can do anything with anything. But um, really, I was just like, "This is the only thing I'm interested in." So I went to Nottingham I studied classics after that I came back I was working in the white company and teaching no I wasn't teaching children still I was working in the white company I was doing this retail job and I remember standing there and just being like I need to do some I want to go to drama school but I was just too scared to know I didn't know how to do that from where I was it felt like I it felt like I, I was just too terrified. I was quite scared. Um, and from a place of fear, I just didn't make that choice and mm. decided to, um, I applied to do an MA in text and performance instead. Okay. And so I went to RADA and I did that, RADA and King's College. Wait, what, what? go back a second. What made you not apply? I was just terrified. Of what? Was of, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, if you go to be an actor, you have to be an actor. Yeah, it's that you kind have of to jumping in. Right, yeah. no backup. Yeah, no backup. Yeah, and and then I have to say to my parents, I want to be an actor. I see. And then my, I have to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. I have to be like, oh, and I also really need you to like, you know, lend me some money to do. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you going to do that? Because yeah. you know, my dad's going to have all these arguments and the arguments are going to be like there's no roles for people like you there's much less opportunity for people like you um you, like when he says that to me I just didn't have an argument mm. I didn't know what to say it's almost like I went to Rada to fight like, and did text and performance because text what I loved about that course when I read about it was that it gave you different facets of the industry so it was like writing um, storytelling, um, uh, skill set. De- uh, what's it when you uh, devise. devising, um, devising? Um, yeah, acting. It, it in directing. It went into all different. Like, it gave you a little little uh, clippets of every single aspect of the industry, dramaturgy, loads of different ways in, and then you had to make your own performance at the end, and. I think what I wanted was to know more about the industry. Yeah. To be able to know whether I could do this. Mm-hmm. 
And um, now looking back, that's that I can tell you with hindsight, but at the time it felt way more like, whoa, what am I doing? Um, I'm going to do this. At the time it felt like that, but actually I think it was far more astute than I thought, mm-hmm. than I knew. Um, and then when I went on the course, I just kept falling into acting. I ended up being in most of my peers' projects. Um, one of the projects got taken. It was a little theatre piece about, and it was at a version of Antigone, and we toured. We went to France, we went to Greece, wow. and we went, and it was really exciting. No one had ever seen an Asian Antigone, especially in Greece. That mm. she had an Asian Antigone and Dionysus. Yeah, I never thought of it like that as well. You were like it a was brown mad. girl in Greece, like in this play. In like playing one, the, one of the heroes. Yeah, heroines. Um, heroines. Yeah. And it was it was intense. Um and 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 I absolutely loved it. And my tutors said, listen, you did some nice work here. We think you should audition for drama school. Mm-hmm. And I think that validation and made me feel like I could say to my parents here's the proof people think that I should do this Mm. yeah I had like people who know what they're talking about so that I could back up to my parents it wasn't just me this like dream girl like going in and saying to my mom and dad oh I want to do this and then my parents would just I had like had something substance that was that that could sell it to them and so I went to them and I said can I audition for drama school and my dad was like oh I really hate it but okay um and and then I did and yeah and it was a great experience I just wish like most people um like some people I wish I had been braver at if I could go back to my drama school stuff I'd I'd be like just be braver just it's harder to say that to know that at the time I wish I'd been braver. And uh, when I came out, just went into the industry and start and met Hamza on an audition, and then we got the roles. And yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. wow. The rest of history. Yeah. The rest of history. But comparatively, Hamza, did you have in terms of like parental support then when you chose to do this? Was there any like sort of obstacles that came your way comparatively? You know, yeah, no. <laughs> um, my mum was for it because she knew I was good at it yeah Um, dad was very like disattached and sort of kind of like standard things like but then he asked the very he he asked the questions which haunt me still to this day (laughs) that's the thing it's like I'm not saying oh you don't know know, about things I totally get I mean at the time I was a lot more defensive but I totally get where he's coming from because my worries today are the exact same things he was saying all those years ago yeah Um, he just said that it's it's an industry like this type of industry it's going to be very difficult for you to support yourself to to be you know to be financially okay um and settled and you know I can't remember how he described that at the time but along those lines he he wasn't he wasn't all that for it um and you know it, it but then at the same time once like you got like a tiny little job here or like a little telly roll or something like that then he'd switch and become like my biggest PR machine yeah. you know yeah. um, in East London so everyone in Walthamstow Market will know yeah <laughs> yeah and that's I found that sweet um 
but you know it would be great sometimes to I wish we could still mean he's a lot older now and to have those actual serious conversations that he was trying to have with me when I was a lot younger yeah. uh, it would be nice to actually have that concern again a little bit um yeah uh, yeah so I mean obviously just jumping forward a little bit like just because we're at this point like do you feel now having a having a child if if your child grew up wanting wanting to go into this industry would you feel like would you feel like you'd be a bit like your father at that point of time yeah, he's going to be an accountant um. <laughs> <laughs> different that he's already in a very different situation yeah. to what we were in yeah because he just if he wanted to get into this industry I could already help him yeah we're already in a privileged position well he's already in a privileged position that if he wanted to have a creative pursuit especially in the performing arts he's got parents who have gone through so much of it and know exactly what doors to knock on and what things to do it's not a case of there's anything really we need to find out it's like we just know that's how and one of the things as you would know as well is oh, okay, then we need to do this now. We need to do this as soon as possible. Do not wait until you're 38 years old and then decide, oh, I want to do this. You need to want to do this. You need to know this is something you 100% want. It's not because you're trying to prove something to somebody else or you're trying to do something for somebody. This has got to be, you've got to have a desire to tell stories and to um, have you know to, to develop this skill and to learn and grow continuously until you you know until the end and of whatever that yeah. that journey is yeah exactly so you have to do that and then the second question would be like and what's the backup yeah what, what and is- also basically have a hedge fund company on the side yeah you know? <laughs> What are you gonna do? Right. Yeah, what are you gonna do on the side? Yeah, that and, could be wonderfully complementary. Yeah, and let let me help you find a way to set to these develop two things that skill and to monetize it from now on. Yeah, which is great. Like I, I think that's great. I think so many people listening would be able to firstly relate to this whole conversation. I mean, I know I do, but then I think to have <laughs> parents. If I think about having parents who then said like okay you know do this but then yeah what what is the side thing that you're going to do I think approaching it from that way just makes you feel like you're being supported in the way that you need right as opposed to like and I wish that my like especially my mom I wish there was that push I wish there was more of that push when at quite critical years of my life when you know they clearly knew especially my mom clearly knew how much I was into acting and she was always concerned Mm -hmm. about like uh you know just how you're going to support yourself and everything like that but I feel like there should have been I wish there was a strong which is definitely if he goes into performing if our son goes into performing arts that's what I'm going to do and what Nancy's going to do is a push for like you know okay great but make sure you're able to look after yourself because that's the thing that's the thing with parents it's not a case of like no drop it and then yeah no to go do something else and do something else okay fine so we've got this situation where you want to do this yeah like, we're gonna have to embrace that now. That, yeah. That's it. Because once we all know, like once, once you've got, got the that bug, acting bug, yeah, you've got it. It's, it. That's it. So it's like it's like a it's like a girlfriend. We're gonna have to just accept this girlfriend, your boyfriend, <laughs> or whoever, whatever. It, 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 that's well, it. Find like, you, you a nice, <laughs> nice person on the side as well. We just <laughs> need to, not personal this time. Like. <laughs> oh gosh. We need to find a way to make something that is essentially. Like, because the acting industry is, I don't know, I think it's built on, like, dysfunction. It's yeah. It's built on a lot of, like, you know, 
but like approaching mental illness in a really messed up way like yeah it, it perpetuates a lot of mental yeah. illness yeah it's not the There's most a lot of comparison yeah it's not it's not a safe supportive it's not place, a sort of safe no. environment at all no yeah so, so I mean so when you okay so you you guys you finished drama school you went out into the industry how how like accessible did you find it how um in terms of welcoming did you find it then did you feel like there were enough parts at that point of time for you or did you feel like it was just like you know sort of a battle from the start because things have changed like things have changed in a positive way obviously but um I still feel like we're probably not where we should be in terms of like you know this whole conversation around representation but especially when you guys were entering the industry what was that experience like is there any like particular experiences that you can remember where you're just like um I think we both have very yeah very opposite really okay experiences okay. do you want to yeah I think when I first came <laughs> out and it's also it's not for me it's easy to look back and go oh everything was wrong about the industry <laughs> um however looking back and who I was at that time as well and you know and how I saw things and things and I was basically desperate um just to like take anything any kind of job anything and I didn't really consider that much as to you know how what am I representing what am I doing this what I'm doing that I've done some jobs where I'm like people did you know in those days yeah and I was like well that was really Islamophobic that's a bit racist that's a bit questionable you know everything was always a bit of something you know starting out those first few years um and I've had quite a few experiences I just remember in drama school itself uh, one of our teachers brought in this sort of actor from the states um who had done a lot of stuff on Broadway and everything like that and he was just this just and I don't know what he came to talk to us about the industry and he just sort of sat there and pointed at all of us and said this is your casting um and he said he just pointed at me and just said slumdog so hot right now um there's something <laughs> and I was like okay great <laughs> and it was just me going yay <laughs> um yeah, because, because it wasn't being told that there's a slot and you fit in yeah and I'm like yes um yeah and and also like the stuff I mean, it was just so much generally Islamophobic stuff because, like, that first 10 years after 9-11, everything was about that. And I almost get a bit, it feels like a bit of a boring topic to talk about, but it was like that, you know, like... But I'll tell you something really interesting about what you just said. Yeah. Okay, so somebody walked in, pointed at you, said, some dog that's, like, is so in right now, yeah. right? You're Mauritian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not I, even Indian I even like that's the thing she's pointing that out that's not even something that's at the front of my mind because, I've been so programmed yeah. to basically I just play every single other role you're Mauritian um so I'm an Indo-Mauritian you've played somebody with an Asian uh, with an Indian accent yeah which is totally fine because like you're, you're Indo-Mauritian yeah right it's actually not your family accent no your family accent is French yeah yeah <laughs> that's true yeah yeah um so like already what is that saying about Hamza's identity and sense of self like that's yeah. the question we need to ask that's the thing that happens when I somebody mean, points it, at you and goes oh great when I went Frida into, Pinto but I went, a little bit chubby it's like 
oh, okay, if I go on a major major diet and like, you know, like squeeze myself, or somebody points at you and goes, Mindy Kaling, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, great, now I have to be super, super smart and like be a stand-up and do this. And it's like, they are playing you against these other women. They are, they're taking away your uniqueness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One casting I went to really early on, I've written this before, um, in the first couple of years that I was out of drama school, and it was like it was a big casting director and I was auditioning for something. I, I can't remember if it was Homeland or not. But it was something like that. Okay. And she goes to me, uh, she was setting the camera up and she's just like, where are you from? And I said, London. It's like, okay, but where are you from? Where are your parents from? Something along, uh, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my parents are from Mauritius. And she just looked at me and she went, is that Muslim? Oh, God. <laughs> And you know what it is? It's like the level, these people who have so much, and I would say power and responsibility in terms of like, basically they're putting people on telly. You know, they're, they're part of this process and they know F all <laughs> about what they're actually doing. Um, and it's just the same type of person who are in those positions that, you know, with the 99.9% of the time who, who pull, you know, who make those big choices. And I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, coming on from what she said about the Mauritius thing and yeah, there's been lots of sort of, uh, kind of situations like that. And it, it is improving generally, kind of in the sense, generally things are going in a better direction, but I think there's a hell of a lot of work to be done still. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. an understanding really. Of things. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice to see, it's nice to see more, um, you know, representation on the telly. It's nice to see more people of colour. Um, I was saying this to a friend recently, when I did see the Mindy show, were the first uh, the first time that I saw someone who, yeah, did look a little bit like me. And um, I remember when I was younger, I got somebody like made a horrible comment about my feet when I was young, because I have pigmentation where my toes are. South, some South, darker skin South Asian people do. Mm-hmm. And um, like, you know, around the nail area, it's just like a little bit of darker pigmentation. It happens. And um, I'd hide my feet all the time. It would just be something I'd hide. Like that's that's what would happen. Like somebody would say something, I would hide it mm. uh, just to fit it. And I remember I saw Mindy, and there's one scene where she steps into the shower and you see her feet. And I was like, oh my God, like, her feet are like mine. Yeah. Her, like my feet are totally fine. They're normal. I think you even paused it and showed me that. I paused you. Yeah. Paused it and showed <laughs> that, that you need Mindy to see Kaling's this. feet to Hamza wow. because I was, I was like, yeah, her feet are fine. Like they're nice feet. It's okay, you're being weird. <laughs> but he was like, I, like, I, what is there something you need to tell me about? Like why we're looking at Mindy? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I spent years and years and years being like there's something not right with my feet. Like my feet are, are, are horrible and I hate my feet. Like it's such a stupid thing, such a silly thing, yeah. but seeing somebody like you and it's specific because mm-hmm. it's the pigmentation around like the nails on, on your hands. Like you'll see like there's darker areas on the, on the knuckles and dark areas and because I'm dark skinned, I'm a dark skinned woman. Yeah. Mm. Um, and knowing that, you know, it's just, it's such 
it's such a lovely feeling to just be like oh I'm like I'm like this is cool like I'm I'm cool with I'm I'm all right like yeah first time I'd seen that on I'd seen somebody on TV who I could just relate to and I understood like the way she looked her body um it was it just it's just it's just refreshing isn't it yeah 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 I mean I just want to touch upon because obviously I know Hamza you just said obviously talking about casting directors as as being sort of in a position of power and I think we do like sometimes we do often view them as these gatekeepers right um but then I've heard like people I mean have people who have really inspired me um like friends who have even just said like oh you know I need to go into the audition room and, and like the change happened for me when I started realizing that okay this is my opportunity to take space and show what I have as opposed to be like going into an audition being like I need to do what they want me to do or how how I think they they want me to do it um so I just wanted to ask you both about a bit about that like just taking up taking up that space and being confident of your abilities and who you are and what you bring to the table and has that has that been a shift in, has that, yeah, like at all been a shift in your mindset when you have been booking the jobs that you've booked? Do you feel like you have gone in with a particular, I don't know, mindset for those specific auditions? Or what What do you think went in your favour in those situations? Or do you think it was a matter of just being perfect casting for that specific project? I think, um, I've, I've, What's been interesting is that the last couple of years has been the last has been the time that I've actually started to understand my identity a lot more and who I am in this world. And I'm still like on a massive learning journey. Um, and I kind of didn't, you know, the fact, you know, the way Natalie pointed out about like I didn't even wasn't even on the forefront of my, of my mind that I'm a Mauritian person. Um, I I kind of gone about the industry for most of it up until probably lockdown 2020 of just like whatever you need like I'm here to be whatever I'm like pop it on a string um and then when I get into the room it was more so just kind of having a focus on trying to make sure that it's like okay how can I just not get not feel like like I just getting to the point that I can feel I'm gonna do like a good take I'm just gonna get there do a good take um and that's kind of it that's kind of it I'm not the best at small talk and stuff like that and it it, it was that kind of all right so do what you need to do to kind of prepare in a way that you're going to go in and do like a good take and then uh, walk back out I tried my best you know I remember being really nervous very early on and it did get a bit better but what's also happened is that these last few years is there's no auditions in the room anymore as well so it it you know i i think of that time now as a time of the past yeah and i'd be interested to know is like if you know ever do go into an audition room again what i don't know what i'll be like now i'm probably getting a little bit more aware of my own identity Mm. yeah yeah yeah, because it, it's certain things like which got me really thinking that I always have the tendency of, you know, when you go in and 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 the casting director says like, okay, are you ready? And I, I just be like, yes, yes. Even though I wasn't ready, like, yeah. you know, I'd be scared to ask for like, could I just have a minute or 
I I got to the point where I remember like saying that I didn't want to apologize in the room uh, kind of thing and try to like own the time a little bit. And, and someone said somewhere, you know, if you feel like a takes going wrong, just stop, you know, and ask to start again and take that time and thinking that, well, you know, you kind of want to do your best there. They essentially want you to do your best if they brought you in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so, but it, it's strange now because that time of going to audition feels so far away as well. Like, you know, I've had so much the experience of being an actor, you know, since 2020 has just completely changed. I'm still getting to grips with what that is. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time I went in the room. Yeah. The question was, like, when we first came into the industry. Yeah. Like, with, like, um, representation and yeah I think for me one of the things that I um found quite easy when I first came out of drama school was um I would see a lot of victim roles as um and I think it's connected with the fact that I'm a dark-skinned woman um Asian I was young younger at the time um I would see a lot of like coriander chopping, um, slightly lesser, um, like, you know, maybe the best friend or the wife that the man doesn't want to be with. Um, but like this, this victim, most mm. of the time, that, that's what I'd see. And at the time, what I found actually very useful was that I think I felt a bit like a victim. So mm. I'd use Mm-hmm. I would use that in, and that's kind of what worked for me to get the cook. Interesting. You said that before. <laughs> to to get that first job that I did get um, was because you know this 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 woman who's put upon by her parents and forced into an arranged marriage and and is trying to pursue a life of her own, but is struggling against you know this this stereotype that they they say of all of us. Um, and I kind of knew how to play that game okay. at the beginning. And I felt like I want, I would just do it, do whatever they needed me to do. Even if that wasn't my experience, I felt like I could access it anytime I'd been, you know, victimized. I, I, I would use that to relate to this person and to sort of try and jump any hoop that were that they needed me to jump to mm. be their Asian woman mm. to be there through the white gaze um to be whatever they wanted me to be and as the years went by I really like and I would I was starting to understand myself as a woman and understand the different facets to myself and different sides to myself sides to myself are a little bit more powerful size to myself that are a little bit more maternal, size to myself that can be really ugly and flawed and mm. make really bad choices and really unprofessional as opposed to this constant, the lawyer, the doctor, the, you know, you see my face and I remember the casting director came in and was like, oh, you could be, be the professional. And I remember when I uh, auditioned 
to when I was interviewing to see agents, they'd be like, how, how do you see yourself cast? And I'd be like, as the doctor, I had been coached by drama school to be like, as the doctor or the lawyer, because mm. of course I'm together. I'm an Asian woman. I'm, I've got everything together. The side and, character. and yet Natalie is experiencing being like, not necessarily together and not always mentally like, okay. And actually quite messy at times. And we'll eat too much and will like make really bad mistakes with her friends and can just be a mess, just can be a mess. And I think like I always had this interest in Fellini and Buffon and like clown and ugly clowns. Um, And I remember when we were playing with masks and being clowns in drama school, um, I, I put one mask on and one mask you know how it kind of possesses your mask like it something happens to you like I put this mask on and it was like I looked you have to look at the mask first and this mask was like honestly it was like like that <laughs> yeah and I looked at this mask and I was like oh okay this this is this mask is a mess and this mask is like gross something about it was like gross so I put this mask on and um because the way that Commedia dell'arte was, was uh, the classes were was that they had everyone the rest of the class sit in front and I came forward and you know you just put the mask on and you just be you see what happens and um I saw what happened and it wasn't graceful it was really like near the ground and it was kind of gross and I in my mind this this mask like saliva was coming out of the mask and it was actually really grotesque and um surreal and bizarre and horrible really horrible and animal and um and we took the mask off and and then they asked the class what they felt and one of the guys he actually happens like two of the guys um yeah I'm but what two of the guys it was the males who had the biggest reaction and they were um I didn't like it okay the teacher was like oh like she was kind of like more progressive, she's a clown teacher, right? And she was like, why? She was like, she was like, I actually thought that was a really ex- like, I saw some a different side of Natalie. And they were like, yeah, that's what I didn't like. Natalie's like cute and like sweet. And you know, she's little and she's like, you know, she's like Princess Jasmine at the time. I was more like Princess Jasmine. Uh, and um I've evolved to be nothing like Princess Jasmine. Not that there's anything more with Princess Jasmine, she's absolutely wicked. But you know, like I, I, I don't relate to that, and that's totally fine. And they were like, "Oh, because Natalie's like that," and I remember feeling like shame. Right. I just felt, I feel really ashamed and embarrassed that I did this. I let the mask take over me, and I, I let myself be show a side of myself which probably has only ever emerged again in childbirth Mm. (laughs) but like I let a side of myself that's actually really close to the earth and really raw and really ugly and dirty and you know like big and powerful incredible and quite incredible yeah and it felt really good at the time Mm. and there was a part of me that was like there was a tiny little part of me at the back that was like on to you like who cares but it was a very tiny voice and I just remember the bigger voice was this like you just embarrassed you just embarrass yourself like mm-hmm. uh, and that that makes you think about how we're we're 
raised and, and the boxes that we have to be in as Asian women and the priority with beauty and the priority with being fetishized. Mm. Like that thing about us all being versions of flipping Princess Jasmine. Mm. Right. right. Like it's <laughs> just like because there's the only one princess as well for all of us. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tiny, tiny hands compared to Aladdin's like massive hand. And it's like in that moment, you, it's that's it. That's your in, that's my entire career explained in that moment where it's like wow. if you dare to be like (laughs) little Asian girl the professional together like holding it together if you dare to just let go and like be like a crazy big Fellini like monster and that's where the sketches started that's what we wanted to look at that sounds like the inspiration behind Coriander right right I just wanted to look at like Mm. Asian women South Asian women and the depiction of the way we are shown, not necessarily like just to show a side of us that can just be really messed up. Yeah, um, Coriander was the second sketch that we just for context. Coriander was the second sketch that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was inspired by. Can I say her name? Nigella. Yeah, Nigella. Yeah, Nigella I Lawson. think people got um, inspired by Nigella Lawson, but <laughs> I actually asked the question of you know why don't we see um what if we had I think you asked the question it's like you know you wanted to see a, 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 an Asian woman on screen having a complete messy meltdown yeah and you just don't see it the juxtaposition of putting her in this sort of Nigella context yeah where you know has just very held character and you know has a kind of very certain way of doing things and then we have an Asian woman doing that and also looking at the the levels of privilege that you know Nigella has and how it this why you won't see an Asian woman like this on screen either is kind of what you were going well just like I see my I see my white peers being able to be anything yeah anything they can they and I just want that for myself and for my brown sisters I just want us to be able to be anything and that to be okay yeah yeah. Um, and, and and the pressures of having to be, you know, I always call it kaftan blowing in the wind. Thinking kaf- yeah, in the wind. Like, you know, you'll see this this like exoticized. And, and I remember recently I was in a read through written by an Asian man, and um, and and the and the description for all the men was like really charismatic, um, really um um really like you know evil guy or whatever like just dis- dis- different description but of the women it was like her looks always have to seem to always be brought into it. if it was an asian woman, yeah if it was a white woman yeah you can she can exist without having to be this fetishized yeah exoticized um you know really together like either a victim who gets pressed upon by like you know like men and parents and whatever like a horrible mother or like it's just this thing of us and then women seeing that and feeling the need to repeat it right right and 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 it's really hard to also say it's also really hard to say no to the work isn't it when the work comes along (laughs) 
and I, we neither of us have, we were just both like oh we'd say yes to yeah we don't judge <laughs> any any actor that's the thing in terms of like the actors who do things and everything like that it's like we totally get it we yeah. totally because it's not about saying this is what i mean it's not about saying like i love princess jasmine right right I love what they did with the character in the remake mm-hmm. like yeah. Derek the will smith <laughs> remake yeah. i love did with like what Naomi Scott did with it I love what they did with it I love the fact that she was so like fantastic and fierce there is so much room for like beautiful Asian women who are powerful and can sing and dance like there's so much room for that but there's also room for us to be anything we can like you know if um there there are actors who are not the most you know beautiful white women out there in the world who who bag like those roles Mm. but the thing is we don't have those roles Mm. they don't exist yeah especially leading roles as well they just don't (laughs) yeah like Um. you will get like you will get that with with uh, and and you will you will see that your peers have those opportunities yeah there's a spectrum isn't there there's we come in all different shapes and sizes with different voices and backgrounds and that is super cool yeah absolutely and so was that the intent was that the the incentive for you to then say like okay I want to start for both of you I want to start creating more of my own work I want to you know put on these sketches I want to write more because you 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 know you you are writing you've written you're writing a sitcom currently so uh I mean it was that the the main reason where you felt like okay no I need to if I can't change it <laughs> I want to take a different approach yeah I want to write something I want to see I I just yeah basically I want to take a different approach and at the beginning it was I want to write parts for myself mm-hmm. yeah um, and then it's now because you know how things evolve it's not necessarily only for myself there are so many women's stories that just go untold mm-hmm. that I want to tell um yeah. and not just tell the same you know like in the description like stu- beautiful stupidly beautiful you know tall ridiculously like shiny lovely hair woman who is like a lawyer the wind, lawyer. <laughs> yeah. um, she's she's a lawyer with three children and, and all her shit together yeah looks fantastic in her lululemon yeah. <laughs> Gosh, i know i know so what would you say to i mean people who are like wanting to take the plunge in terms of writing their own stuff and creating their own stuff because it's one thing to like then be like okay I can, you know, force myself to put pen to paper and put down an idea or even try and develop something, even get some people reading it and saying, yes, this is great. But then what, you know, how do I then get like the funding or approach the right people to put it out? How do I get it into a space where it's going to be seen and it's going to really, yeah, get, get I, I suppose get eyeballs on it to then, you know, get have more opportunities to come my way. Yeah, I think um, I think in terms of there's the space we have now is a far more vast and uh, uh, it is compared to what it was when I left drama school. It's like now 
and you know the whole industry has turned to video content completely um and i think social media especially is always there it's always there and in fact you know um there's and then and that provides its its advantages provides its drawbacks and in terms of how what we felt is you know in terms of our sketch work was there was a certain type of sketches that we wanted to make mm. as we were writing it and going on to shooting and everything like that and it didn't it doesn't quite squeeze into you know your 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 under one minute instagram content where social media dictates what the content should be and i think it's been quite brave of us to kind of, you know, stick to stick to what's the story that we're telling in each sketch and you know not thinking about exact kind of trimming it in place to make sure that it works and it's been it's been trial for us i think trying it on different we kind of put it out on different platforms got different audiences different platforms some sketches perform better than others anything like that um and you know we try and share our sketches out with other accounts who we think would be interested in it, it um it's trying to for us it's just trying to uh, we're, we're actually <clears throat> figuring it out as we go yeah we're figuring um, it out but we decided just to jump and to take the lead yeah and just to just to write and do it yeah um, and to see what comes of it and who if it connects we, we said this if it connects with 10 people yeah that's what we said to each other is that what we want happy. what we wanted to do at the beginning of this when we you know when we first had the ideas for some of the sketches and we started kind of like shooting them we said well at least we're creating a catalogue of work that we're proud of yeah. you know regardless it, I mean obviously we think about eyeballs and stuff like that but then if you were to look back on it in 20 years time going oh oh we did that um and these were stories that were very relevant to us at the time and uh and uh, yeah so yeah in answer to your question um for sketch work definitely social media um and YouTube and potentially Vimeo as well however you know there's a lot of actors that we know they, they make their own short films um some find funding some self-fund some bring in uh people or students that they know with you know skill sets that they can get on board just constantly creating content you know, to put themselves on camera or not be on camera as well but I think at the same time one of the things is yeah visibility really matters yeah um but I think one of the other things is quality. Yeah. And so one of the things I'm constantly working on is just developing my skills. Yeah. As a storyteller. And she's doing that all the time. All the time. Like, like I need, to, the there's time. actually moments where I need to like, just be like, okay, you need to, you <laughs> I'm need to relax. In, no, I'm actually in awe, like how much as a, as like as a writer just this past year considering we've had a but it's past year and a half I'd say considering we've had a baby since we kind of started the sketches we've been right like nasi has been writing for a while but since the sketch work kind of started and you want to do to tell this and tell that tell I'm that constantly reading constantly skill. watching masterclasses, constantly yeah. trying watch, to break, develop this skill yeah right? and trying to reverse engineering uh episodes of tv shows and like yeah. breaking it down and almost writing things like, that i have enjoyed seeing things that we've enjoyed yeah. why why did i enjoy that what why did i connect with that what because it's there's one thing i feel guilty because i don't do enough of it <laughs> but really <laughs> because it goes back yeah. to that we went to an act for change um 
like basically what, the conference ago, years at ago. At the national, was at it the national? national? Yeah, with Adrian Lester. On the and panel. somebody t- put their hand up and was like, "What are we supposed to do about the fact that we're not represented and I'm always playing the terrorist?" And Adrian Lester, like he had this like demeanor of like I, I don't know, he wasn't. Um, he didn't sort of put them down. But he was like, "You need to write any, and we need to." It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah, but we need to be excellent. Yeah, it is a lot of pressure because, at like, another question I was going to say is is that to the response of that to for a lot of people are like I've had friends who've just been like, though I feel like I that's what I need to do. I need to go and write something. Then, uh, what if I I'm not good at it and I just don't want to do it and I just want to be an actor. I don't want to be a bloody writer. Do you know what I mean? Totally and utterly fair like yeah. if you came into the industry as an actor you trained as an actor that's what your training is yeah in. like to be told to write is yeah. it's hard completely un- completely unfair and it's it terrifying. just so happened that for me it was a it was something that connected yeah that that I was like oh I do have I do have things that I want to say yeah. I do have some ideas yeah so I kind of want to learn. I I I learn through our like uh, we work with Tom as well, um, who is a wonderful storyteller. So and he's a director. He's a director and a, and a writer oh, yeah, and an, an editor. editor. And he's made wonderful charity um, videos and he's worked in this industry in and advertising. We've been working together since two thousand. And we're developing those yeah. skills. And I I would say about visibility, um, it's great. But we need to use those, we need to use that to produce quality as well. Because there's no point of us like going, going on and just being like, I was gonna put myself out there everywhere. Yeah. So it's it's about that it's a dual thing, isn't it? It's like I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna constantly keep learning. Yeah. And, um from the last one, why didn't that work? What 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 didn't connect with people? What 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 was the what what was the um what was the flaw here like how yeah. can I improve like Natalie is <coughs> so dare I say Natalie's what... brutal with uh post uh like that like just looking back on sketches and looking back on work and giving like you know look giving creating feedback and just being meticulous in in just completely yeah. honest why is something hitting why is something not hitting um, it's and, a great way to learn though. Yeah. It's a great I, I've found that it's a great way to learn and to grow because you've got your audience and you can see. I have a counter to it though as well. Um like I've been one of those people where, and I still am, I'm a very much say yes and then figure it out. Um, and it's kind of how I got behind the camera. So we got behind the camera. So it, it basically like when I was in drama school. Um, in our final term, we we weren't on site anymore. We had to write dissertations, but we still had access to equipment. Mm-hmm. So it was a few of us that were thinking, oh, you know, and one of our friends like, let's shoot this little comedy web series. He had this idea for something. And we all kind of jumped in and did it. No one really knew what they were doing, but we did stuff. We got stuff. We wanted to act, really. We're actors first, and we kind of created work for us to act in. And the, <laughs> these tiny little skills that we started to learn has gently kind of I would say snowballed over the years as well um and it's it's helped us 
like being behind the camera has kind of helped us, you know, pick up certain skills where, okay, so in, and then when you're in front of it and you work with people, so then, for example, I've directed a few short films, I've directed stuff that Natalie's written, um, and just working with other directors and seeing how they work. And when you're an actor, and obviously you keep your actor hats on, but you are like through osmosis, kind of picking up things as you go. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, we are, when you do get the chance to work, it's great because you get to see how other people do things and choices that make. And, and I've, I mean, with, I've been producing, I've been directing, I've done a lot of these different things in the past. And now, you know, I've done a bit of writing as well, like nothing like Natalie, but I'm, I'm very much the kind of like, okay, yes. And then uh, figure it out and, you know, try and pull something out of the bag. I'm not as like, I'm not as meticulous as Natalie in any way. Um, and but and, Hamza is brave as hell. Like, yeah. <laughs> just be like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, just. Do you speak Urdu? Yes. I've got, I've got. Oh, if you want audition horror stories, I'll give you audition horror stories. Do, like, you, do you sing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> um yeah so yeah i'm very much yes to figure it out like we just had a we had a bit of figure an argument it about when it there. when like you know our agent asked us about like a certain thing about writing and everything like that and we have no experience in it i was still like yep um and that is like i'm not doing that i'm not doing you're that. doing that <laughs> because i'm like yep and then throw it but out that's what i mean for me um, it's about for me it's about quality quality yeah and if for me, I, I it's about any, any experience about we can get. Just jump, say yes, <laughs> just jump in and swim. But again, and this, out, yeah. this comes down to the type of person that you're looking, you know, it's the type of person yeah. and what they're capable of bringing yeah. to the, to bringing to the, to the plate. Yeah. Um, there's, if something is just, I, I probably need to be less of a perfectionist and a little bit easier on myself. And, and I need to be a bit more. <laughs> and, and step like and actually probably maybe try things that like terrify me without having to have done a full-blown course or having investigated it and tried it out and figured it out Hamza will do that and somehow he will pull something out. pull something out and I, and I and I'll just be like on edge terrified like my stuff like doing somersaults a thousand times yeah. um and my palms up like <gasps> yeah Hamza speaking Urdu like full and and he just sent me a message being like they're getting me to improv I mean <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you this story I think it's an anecdote because <laughs> like, she's pushed for it now he's basically basically from but like yeah. a good actor um, well, but yeah Joey um, from, um, from um <laughs> I had an audition for it was an amazing audition for what was that show called those series of um small small acts small acts okay right so steve mcqueen directed small acts and i it was to play this uh punjabi police officer that was alongside john boyega in one episode you know like you know a few good scenes and i went to the first audition it went okay um, I didn't expect to get recall. I get recall. I get the email going, okay, you're going to have a recall with Steve McQueen. And I was like, okay, I'm literally going to walk in. Okay, cool, 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 cool. That's cool. That's so he cool. calls his friends. Because up. like, I love Steve. It's not just like, oh my God, he's won an Oscar. It's like, I really <coughs> like, you know, uh, uh, like some of his films. Um, I mean, we both love Widows. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Send me a different script. So I've always got. And I've, I was like, I've got like we're a looking pop, at it, and I go. I've got like a, a handful, I've got a handful of friends on standby. If ever I need like uh, Punjabi, Hindi, Urdu, Bengali, Bangladeshi translation, 
Um, I've got the friends to go to. And let me just let me just add this: as um, Hamza was in a, in a show, playing and I played an Afghan who was an interpreter speaking Pashto. Wow! Wow! That's another story. Show. Again, this is one of those ones. Like, yep. This is a Mauritian guy. Um, <laughs> like he's a Mauritian. So guy. then I did I did my work on the script and I got my translations done. Like what I do is because I with. Uh, Hindi, Urdu, Punjabi. I'm kind of I pick it up very quickly because I, I, I grew so up. Fun. But I grew up around a lot of Pakistani, Kenyan friends, and you know who were a lot of speaking Urdu and some Punjabi and some Gujarati even as well. So I, I pick up the I pick it up very quickly. Bilingo, yeah. Um, so I, I learned it fine, um, <laughs> and uh, I went into the audition room. I did the scenes, thought I did them quite well, and then Asim Rakhi is an interesting character in the room. He's, he he barely gives eye contact. He's kind of sort of in his sort of script, looking probably sort of listening, very listening. Also, he's you know just very like in his own little world. Yeah. Not, and then he's like, um, okay, great. Uh, so you know, it's going to be some moments here that you know we're going to be sort of you know ad ad libbing and everything like that. What's your background? And I'm like Mauritian, and he goes, right, right, right. So with this Punjabi thing, I'm like, yeah it's cool it's cool I can you know I can you know I'm sure you know I'll be able to say okay great so can you improvise on some of these lines here on this scene and I was like okay um you know when you just feel like yourself get really hot (laughs) 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 Steve McQueen I've just bullshitted that I can uh, I can improvise in Punjabi and I'm like well you're here now (laughs) what are you gonna do and this is remember it. there's the other actor in the room. No, 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 there wasn't another actor. Oh, not it was for that just one. me, not for that one. That was another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> in there, opposite Oscar winning Steve McQueen. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, G G, uh, Upar Niche, uh, uh, Aja, Ek Totin, no, uh, Kana. Like that, so that, that is the type of thing that gives that that gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't. I I just would have. I would have. been like, okay, and I would have run out. Yeah, <laughs> literally, just yeah, run all the way home. But I've I've just I'm, yeah, I've just been very confident with languages. I mean, I did our girl. I I spoke Bengali in that for quite a lot of it, and I did uh, uh, Af Combat Hospitals, a show that I did for ABC. This was like what twenty. There's in one thing learning lines. And there's another thing. Yeah, and I had to speak. My dialogue was in Pashto, but they had someone with me on set teaching. But in a way that I basically, where I got the skill was being taught to recite the Quran as a kid. You don't understand it. Yeah. But you kind of just learn the phonetics of it very quickly and you're able to recite it. And that kind of skill, I think, has helped me in a lot of other things. I was able yeah. to pick up Pashto, learn it phonetically, kind of under, trying to understand what I'm saying. I mean, you, it, as Marvin, you were Tamil. Yeah, I was Tamil in... He was Tamil in the film we were in. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, that was a hard language. Yeah, and Tamil that is was hard. God. It, yeah. wow. yeah, the guy that was coaching us in Tamil said, you know, you're good. You sound like a British guy trying to speak Tamil. <laughs> yeah. It will do. It does the job. It's, it's an incredible language that uses like completely different areas of the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was that was tough. That was yeah. tough. Yeah. But but you did it. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like you Hamza does it the visibility thing is by just being like yeah and then figuring it out yeah and um all the anxiety that comes with that he's he's cool with that i mean i have pissed off people with that other actor i was thinking i was doing a 
was it a Tamil thing? No, I can't remember what it was. It's years ago. I can't remember what language I was meant to be speaking. <laughs> uh, I had to improvise with another actor who was looking at me, who actually spoke the language, looking at me like, you dickhead. <laughs> uh, you're ruining the audition. <laughs> yeah. So there is collateral damage that can happen with my recklessness of saying yes as well. So that's the thing. But with this industry, there's collateral damage all over the place. Yeah, like I said earlier on, like there's no, I don't really believe there's that much of a healthy way of approaching an industry like this, because the minute you're sat in a room with a bunch of girls who apparently look like you, but actually don't look anything like you, like you and I could quite easily be put up for the same roles, even though you and I are vastly different right right uh, and that to me is already ridiculous yeah and because that's where that kind of big box of like cracking happens yeah, yeah. With, especially with <laughs> Asian people of color generally in the industry and that's what I want to look at yeah at, at, from a writer's perspective I want to look at like the range of how we can be completely different and and that whatever we look like we can we can we can be everything yeah you know and and I think that's a really important thing that I would love to see. Um, and yeah. it, I have seen, and at times I have seen it, it's just been such a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Um, even if that person isn't like me. Yeah. Like, and 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 it, it's even like the uh, feeling when you see, I can't remember what it, um, this, the drumming film with Riz Ahmed. Sound of Metal. Yeah, yeah. That was like I just on, couldn't. Was, I can't tell you how I felt watching yeah. that. I'm not even an Asian man. Yeah, but just to see a South Asian actor immerse themselves in a role where they become completely unrecognizable. Yeah. Yeah. But also, this is not something you would ever. No, see. you would never think Riz Ahmed as your first choice casting for that in yeah. five, even three, four years ago. Like you know, not even ten years ago. Um, but he's, and I think what he's doing amazingly well in the position is that, that he's in, he's well, like, choose these roles and I'm choose these stories because I can now. But now he's um, opening up avenues for people to see that that's possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was going to say here, him winning an, an Oscar now and, um, you know, just, I think for, for so many people, like he, he's a name that comes up when they say like, I, I'm feeling very inspired by this by this person just because of him representing South Asians in general and just what the possibilities are. Um, although like he obviously writes and produce, like co-produces a lot of the stuff that he's doing as well, which also goes to show that you have to kind of, yeah, partake in that whole making it happen. Um, because we are very much still there. Yeah. You know, things I said, Tamza is the only reason I saw Mindy Kaling in the Mindy Kaling show is because Mindy Kaling sat and rat, wrote that show for herself. And had she not done that, it just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You she, would not yeah. see somebody like as her the in that lead, lead as yeah. a romantic lead. Um, and there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's so wonderful in it. Yeah. And and that's the thing that that's the thing, isn't it? It is. I know. I know. And another thing I feel like, um, I, I don't know, in, in, in general, like something I've been saying a lot on the last few conversations I've had is um, just this, this, the, the fact that the South Asian community sometimes are not um, so supportive of each other in terms of like championing each other, which I, I, I don't know why. And I feel like it comes from this 
lack of already, which exists, like we've been talking about, you know, putting in a box, being put in a box, even though like we might be extremely different, there's that one role and we're all kind of going for it and it creates this competition, but in a negative way, right? It's, I think, I think it's because we're raised in communities where we're, we're sort of played against each other because the opportunities are so small and it probably starts from the, um, I, I don't know that much about it, but I am actually doing some reading about it at the moment. It, but it starts from this, um, in the Asian community, like marriage is seen as like the pinnacle of achievement for a woman mm-hmm. to uh, play out her duties as a woman, right? Yeah. And from childhood, we are pinned against each other to be able to bag the best man. So we're just, from childhood, we're put in, even if, um even if it's not consciously it's subconsciously a trauma a generational trauma that we just inherit to look at another south asian woman i mean we've all been guilty of it we in our um in my friendship group there was it was um like it's a mixed group of friends and there was uh, an, a, a, another friend came in and she's another Asian girl. And this was like a couple of years ago. I remember just being like, that's really weird. They're not going to like me anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like, like just, just, just creeps in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because this is, this is where, when we're raised in this way that if somebody else thrives, that means you're not doing well. Yeah. I remember I used to have these like really, I used to try and freak my dad out. So I'd be like to my dad, who was actually really fond of my friends. I'd be like, oh, my friend so-and-so is really pretty. And he'd be like, don't be down on yourself. But I was like, wait, I'm not, I just, I wasn't down on myself. I was just saying my my friend is really pretty. And he's like, you're really pretty as well. But I was just like, yeah, but wait, wait, wait. It was Where's, <laughs> what happened? What's happened my here? My mom does the same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> it, it is ingrained it is. In, our, in the way that we're when we're built. Do you think it's been exacerbated by colonialism? I, I think that's we we can only take responsibility for what we're yeah. we can for ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. what we accept as our reality. Yeah. Regardless of what has yeah, great. Yeah, of course, like a bit of divide and conquer doesn't help the situation. Mm. I'm sure. But I think at the end of the day, we're responsible for the things we say. Like really if my son came to me and was like, oh my mate is really like hot, like he's really handsome. And it's it's like, yeah, your mate is really hot. He's also really intelligent or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like we have a lot that we can bring. Like just because he's observed that we don't need to make him feel like he's lesser. He's lesser yeah. because somebody else is, yeah. is done. But I think a lot of it is to do with that. Yeah. Depending in the thing in, in the community where it's where it's like, oh, I, I have a Mercedes Benz, but I have a, a BMW, you know. It's and not. It- all about constantly trying to compete with each yeah. other that actually we can boost each other and by yeah. boosting our friend by boosting by by recognizing the fact that Riz Ahmed is a leader and he's leading he's creating opportunity from the place that he is he's creating opportunities for people to see who we can 
who we can be. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't need to do that. Yeah. But he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that to me and with is that, a bit it 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 does we we need to back up we need to back each other up. Yeah. Who else is gonna do it? And with that, you know, what Nasi was talking about in terms of if you look at it from that sort of setup, if you were to overlay industry on top of that, it's just rife, you know. Yeah. And it, it completely like catalyzes all the these pre-existing issues. Um, it just makes it so much worse. And yet it, it does take just taking that step back and just trying to see the bigger picture. And that's something that I struggle with myself a lot of the time. And I think, you know, Natalie's got a bit further ahead of me as well. I'm just thinking that, you know, I'm someone really else, <laughs> someone else's achievements is not necessarily like... Hampering your own, yeah. You know, so it means that you're crushing them. Sense. It's just that you've been programmed to think that, you know, there's only these tiny little kind of uh, seeds. There nuggets, is room. Nuggets of opportunity and there's not, there's only space for one, you know, and that goes back to, for me, even literally being the only brown person in my drama school class. Um, yeah, we're, we're used to being the token. Where is that tokenism? Uh, but should we accept that? Should yeah. we accept being the token? Do we need to be the one brown person in the room, you know, that that gets to play all the, the brown roles for a while? Like, it's just like, no, because you're going to go into the industry and you're going to be sat in a room with a bunch of brown girls and you're going to have to learn that, you know, this is this is this is this is a weird dynamic. That's always going to be a weird dynamic, yeah. especially when you've grown up just consistently. Like your inner voice, you've been taught to compare yeah. yourself yeah. to others. Yeah. So what are you going to do in that room just before you go in to show your unique self? Oh, I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I'm not this, and I'm there, this, and there, that. I'm the, I'm not this, I'm not that. Yeah. In the disguise of hi how are you yeah I saw you there. you know that underneath the subtext of it is like oh shit it's you I feel really scared do you know what yeah. I mean it's like yeah yeah that's the thing we I I think there's you know boosting the other the women who are thriving out there and getting it like who are like making moves and strides to change the world regardless of how that makes you feel is the more for me yeah like it's how can I learn yeah absolutely how can I learn from them how can how can I move in that direction as well like rather than the thing of like oh I need to squash them down I'm going to pick them up I'm going to learn from them and I also want that Mm. yeah I want my way in the way that works for me and the way that works for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And it's, yeah, it's so needed, so important. Um, It's healthy, healthy. exactly, exactly. Um, I feel like I could just, I could keep talking to you guys for the longest time, but I'm gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up now. I'm just aware of time, but it it was it was so brilliant hearing about your journey. It's so so amazing, and um, I know that so many people are going to love this conversation and relate to it. And it, there's just a couple of quick questions that I wanted to ask you to just round it off, like just off the back of you saying it's so healthy as well, and and touching upon mental health earlier. Is, is there something that you guys? do like a practice whether individually or together 
something which is important to you to like unplug from the madness of all of this obviously we, we touched upon the fact that it is you know there's uh yeah there's a lot of it's not necessarily the best place for your mental health um you know in the industry if you don't know how to navigate that or at least like introduce mental health mental well-being practices into your you know life but is there anything that you guys specifically do to just help you touch base with that I wish I could see I had the answer for that um I I don't have the answer, but what does give me some relief sometimes is EFT. Mm -hmm. I find I suffer a lot with um, rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, which is really unfortunate for an actor because that's that's what we um, uh, that's what we deal with like on a weekly, daily basis. Really, um, how how to cope with the sensation of um rejection and what that means and I find some relief from EFT the tapping um I think it's to do with actually physically doing something um and just being actively you know pressing on these pulse points that release tension momentarily mm. and um sort of at least even try to manifest an acceptance yeah because I know the secret like at the secret pain and dysphoric experience that actors go through and then feel like no in order to be an actor I've got to I've got to be able to just show that I can deal with this type of rejection it, yeah. and that I can go flick onto Instagram and see everybody winning. And, and I'm cool with that because everything is awesome. Like that is like the thing mm. that I think I will say to Hamza, everything isn't awesome. Mm -hmm. I feel awful. Mm. Like we'll be brutally honest with each other about I feel like I failed I feel like I'll say those things and I'll accept that I'm feeling those things and then I'll try and manifest openness to the next thing yeah I'm not going to say that it works every single time but it and I'm not going to say that it's the answer because I really if so, if you know anyone who knows the answer please get in touch with me <laughs> but I, given me some relief and I think being honest about it mm -hmm. and having a community of people like yourself to talk to and to be open about it because this is the occupational hazard mm -hmm. of this career and this is the this is back in the day people didn't have to see people's achievements plastered like you would not get the job and you'd never find out who got the job but in our industry you don't get the job and then you find out on Instagram in the, you know, and we are guilty of also having done it. Yeah. Because then also you don't like judge people who do do it. No. Because it's all promotion. You all have to promote work. yourself. Yeah, you have to See, do you it. you can't judge people who do it. You can't say it needs to stop. Yeah. It's no. just something that 
especially if you like some people might deal with it really well yeah some people might have been given those skills by their parents when they were younger and might actually know how to deal with that beautifully I'm not one of those people and I think for me I'm on a journey to try and figure out what that what 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 is the thing but I do get relief from tapping I don't know what you I I think my problem is that I spread (laughs) myself completely thin doing a billion different things at the same time um and basically saying yes to everything in every single area and not really looking after myself and Ashley's always trying to get me to ground myself and kind of have more focus um the only things I would say that I have done in the past and what so I try to still do uh, when I was going into the room to audition for some reason, the, like the last few years before lockdown, I found I was getting a bit more difficult. Like the nerves were starting to get the better of me. So sometimes if I did feel that, I just simply use a calms app. I just go away in a corner, use a calms app and just do breathing to just to kind of like connect a little bit with my breath. And it is kind of where you get taught in drama school. You know, a lot of actors work with their breath, um, but it's very easy to, disconnect from that and then all of a sudden you're going in the tension so it would be that feeling that if I can control my breath I'd be okay the other thing that I do is uh which I haven't done in ages um but uh I I, no I did do it the other I did do it last week when it was all going completely messed up um I do there's calms app has like a traveling meditation because I'm one of those people like I can't sit still anywhere to like do something to look after myself and I have forced myself sometimes and I know why I'm going to sit on this train now I'm underground uh I I, I <laughs> I'm gonna be here I may as well do 10 minutes and just listen to like a traveling meditation um, yeah and that has been very helpful when I do do it yeah um, but I'm definitely not someone to take advice from because I'm not looking after my mental health that well yeah, uh, yeah but we're, we're we are working yeah. on it and I think one thing that uh, again I can say that to to anyone listening is that um like actually spotting the moment spotting the moment and and uh going oh okay right it's happening now yeah rather than letting the moment like get out of um out of hand which i i let happen i let it happen this morning Mm -hmm. the moment will just get out of hand um and and my emotions are running the show Mm -hmm. um, I'm like a puppet under the emotion, like the emotion monster is here and I'm going or whatever. Yeah. And I think the thing is like actually spotting it. We went outside um, and the fresh air allowed, gave me a, a moment of clarity where I was able to go, oh, okay. Like I'm at the moment, my, um, I'm a, what did I say? I'm unable to um, control. I basically unable to I'm my emotions are dysregulated that's the one I'm I at this very moment and I think it may last for a few days I'm not able to regulate my emotions and from that moment of uh the self-diagnosis of going oh okay that's happening I've actually been able to go oh because that's isn't it it's like oh, I'm not, you're not controlling me anymore. I've just told you What's that yeah. you're trying to control me and that I'm cool, I'll come on the journey with you if that's where you need me to go for the moment until, you know, emotion Natalie monster calms down. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go with you and like, just be like, okay, we're here. Oh, we're in anger. Oh, na- oh now we're in sadness. Oh, now we're in anger and now we're in sadness. Um, it's, it's, acceptance of it first rather than resisting it 
and and just knowing like with your logical mind okay this is where we've gone to and we're going to slowly try and I, I'm saying we're in this obnoxious you know third person way but I mean it in I feel like I'm actually in a split situation mm. in those moments where like logical sides like what the hell is going on and like emotion side is going ah, rah, rah. <laughs> right and I'm just basically going okay so we're just gonna we're just gonna do this for a bit until you've we you've calmed down and then we're gonna logically approach this rather than calm down now this is really embarrassing and like I'm gonna try and squash you but you're gonna keep like bursting out Mm-hmm. Um, I think that helps me as well, along with EFT. But I, I don't know if that's a helpful thing. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think it, like what you said is also just being kind, kind to yourself, isn't it? In those moments, really, just like being in in partnership with those emotions, like you said, just welcome, welcoming them in and being honest about it. I think that's so. It's so great that you do that. Um, and last but not least is a bit of a cheesy question but what what kind of legacy or imprint do you guys want to want to leave behind or feel like you're doing or working towards I feel like it for me if I can impart that moment where I saw Mindy Kaling's toes and was like oh my toes are cool they're fine if (laughs) I could pass that moment on to another person to learn earlier Mm. that like it's all right to be like bonkers (laughs) it's okay and it's okay to be like I don't mean physically ugly but it's okay to be flawed yeah and it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to not like the way things are and to want to change things and to want to uh, be, it's okay to be a bit different in your community in, in to feel like you don't necessarily fit in. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, the people like that. If I can impart that onto somebody earlier so that they don't end up going, like I'm going to be 40 soon. So they don't end up going like 39 years with that mm. and realizing just what I feel like it's never too late but what I feel like god I wish I knew that at like 16 that's partly why I look at these you know the young lady from Bridgerton and um I'm so terrible at names that's partly the ADHD but the young lady from Never Have I Ever mm. um I look at these young girls and I'm like cool I just wish I had that um, and I'm so happy that Idris, our son, gets that. Mm. And I'm so happy that, you know, the other young kids get to have that because they're not going to go through these this many years. What mm. mm. um, And if I can do that in a small way for anyone. Yeah. I, that's, that's the imprint I'd like to leave. Um, and I, that's what I continue to try to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to call this episode like Mindy Kaling's toes. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know special thanks is gonna have to be given. 
Oh my goodness. Well, it was, it was so brilliant having you both on. Honestly, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know that mm -hmm. it was... Thank you for having us and giving us a space to talk. And for being so awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's so great. I think this is just, yeah, for me, it's all about like, yeah, I think with no agenda, just, you know, like jumping into a conversation and seeing where it like flows. And it's really great to just, uh, yeah, hear people's stories and um yeah allow them to just be so <laughs> yeah thank you so much guys I, I really appreciate you and I can't wait to see what you do next and, and see the next sketch that comes out as well because they're brilliant yeah I think yeah awesome. we're gonna yeah we're gonna be posting and again we're doing the social media thing uh we're gonna <laughs> be posting, uh because I think that when we posted before it, it was not quite the right time with the war and everything like that happening but we're going to be doing another push on uh, our latest sketch, which is about shame. Um, and yeah, I think it's all. And thank you so much for having us in the yeah. time. It's been really great to talk with you. That's it from me today on Unplug with Annie. Until next time, remember you can stay tuned with everything Unplug on www.unplugwithannie.com. I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Mandy Hale. You'll learn as you get older that rules are made to be broken. Be bold enough to live life on your terms and never ever apologize for it. Go against the grain, refuse to conform, take the road less traveled instead of the well-beaten path. Laugh in the face of adversity and leap before you look. Dance as though everybody is watching. March to the beat of your own drummer and stubbornly refuse to fit in.